into the Word of God, of course. Um, got a fairly simple talk tonight for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I meant me, not you. That's right. Although, looking out there, it's... Uh, but, uh, Genesis chapter 2, if we could turn to. Um, for those of you that uh, uh, would like a title to the talk, it's called Return to Eden. And this isn't about uh, some time off in the future, uh, looking forward to something. It's about today, okay? I'm not going to go into great detail in the uh, in the story here in Genesis. I think most of us know and understand it, but uh, we'll start in verse 8 of chapter 2. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that's pleasant to the sight, good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we know, as I said, we know this story. Um, God placed uh, Adam there to uh, to dress the garden and to keep it, to look after it all. This is a obviously very symbolic of just being in the presence of God. It's knowing God. We have this wonderful picture, verse 10 says, a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became four heads. So there's this lush, wonderful garden, which I know a lot of people in South Australia don't understand what that is, but we have a lot in New Zealand where I come from. It, it's a beautiful picture of um, everything uh, fruitful and beautiful. It's a scene of beauty, a home of happiness a garden of goodness and fruitfulness, being with the Lord. That's the key. I want to talk about this river a, a, a little bit. Um, we're not going to have a great Hebrew lesson, but there's just an interesting thought. In the next few verses, it talks about these four heads going out from the river. Verse 11 says, The name of the first is Pison, which is, encompasses the whole land of Havilah, where there's gold. Uh, verse 13, the name of the second river is Gihon. Uh, the same is it that compassed the whole land of Ethiopia. The name of the third is Hidekel, that is it which goes towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, we can read those and think, oh, great. Well, each one of those names, and I've got them written down here in the Hebrew, mean very similar things. The Pison is talking about spreading and growing and increasing. That's what the word means in the Hebrew, talking about dispersing. The Gihon is bursting forth and gushing out. The Hidekel is rapid moving and roaring. And the Euphrates is fruitfulness. This, of course, is a picture of God's presence and his life-giving waters going forth into the world, if you like. All four corners of the world. Uh, we know the four, we've got the four Gospels, of course, and this again is very symbolic of that. It's, it's bringing life to the world. So it's taking this idea of Eden and to be dwelling in the presence of the Lord as Adam was there, and it's spreading it out into all four corners of the world. It's, it's just going out and uh, blessing the world. The word river is another interesting word in verse 10. It comes from 
a root word meaning to sparkle or to shine, to be enlightened and to be cheerful. Isn't that interesting? A river. Well, of course, this is the river of God. This is the river of life. And it's it's a sparkling, it's shining, and it's going forth and enlightening the world. It's going out from this place. Now, again, you've got that picture of this lush garden and uh, this river, uh, water. Of course, in this part of the world was very important. Here we've got water, which is for irrigation. It's, it's growing, it's bringing forth fruit. It's for drinking and growing in a obviously a, a natural way. It's the living water. It's for washing and for cleansing and refreshing. All of those things in a natural and in a spiritual way. Now, we know that Adam messed up in chapter 3. We're not going to look at that. Um, but we know in verse 23 of chapter 3, it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. He drove out the man... He placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So he's guarding what what God has provided there. He sent Adam out of it. He said, well, no, you've messed up. And then we've got these cherubims with the flaming sword uh, guarding the tree of life. The cherubims, of course, we read in other places, in Ezekiel in particular there, uh, their four-faced, uh, which match up with the four Gospels. The flaming sword, again, is the Word. And so it's the Word of God which gives people the option of trying to get back into Eden, if you like. It's the Word of God which is keeping people out of Eden, if they're not lining up to it, but it's also giving the option, the chance, the possibility of getting back. So, I want to look at a couple of thoughts about that. Isaiah chapter 51. The life-giving water has gone out from Eden. It's uh, continuing to bring life to the world. And of course, we standing here today are both a result of that and an ongoing part of that. Okay, we're here because the gospel has gone out into the four corners of the world. We're here and we're still part of that uh, ongoing uh, flow, if you like. Um, where do I say? Oh, that's Ezekiel. That's not right. I want Isaiah, don't I? Right. So here we see in uh, chapter 51 of Isaiah, uh, verse 1, it says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Now, even that hearken is an interesting word. A lot of the new translations just say, listen, listen to me. But that's not what it means. The word hearken here, again, if you look it up in the Hebrew, interestingly, it means hear intelligently. I'm looking at you all. Okay, hear intelligently. It it talks about hearing something like um, from a superior officer who's telling you to do something. When you listen to that, you have to do it. So there's this idea of obedience and following, not just listening like you're listening to a story or listening to a joke or something. It's about hearing it, hearing what is being said and responding to it. So, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, 
Ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. So he's saying, look at your inheritance, look at your your, your past, look at your history, and where you've come from. Verse 3, For the Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. So this, what he's saying is, all the things that have gone wrong, that could go wrong, that are going wrong, can be taken away. I'm going to comfort Zion, of course, symbolic of the church. I'm going to send the comforter to bring you back to the presence of the Lord, to bring you back to Eden, and your desert will once again be like this lush garden that you were dwelling in before. Joy and gladness are found therein, and thanksgiving with the voice of melody, singing songs of joy and happiness. Verse 4, Hearken unto me, my people, give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law shall proceed from me. I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, and mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on my arms shall they trust. So it's this whole picture of coming back to God, being once again uh, in a position of understanding God's truth, God's faithfulness, his uh, salvation. This is the the completion of God's promises to the church. He's bringing back uh, these people who are in a, a wilderness back to Eden, back to his presence, back in, where the river of living water can comfort you and, and uh, provide for you. Uh, over to Ezekiel 36. Similar thought, but a little bit more detailed. We'll start in verse 24, just for time. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes. You shall keep my judgments and do them. Again, this wonderful picture of, of course, the church and the and people coming to know God and receiving this new heart and new spirit, new appetites, new desires, suddenly wanting to, to do the things that God wants you to being washed with clean water. Where's that coming from? Well, of course, that's the river. Again, we're back to that river, that sparkling, shining, enlightening river. And we can know God and we can understand his ordinances and his judgments. And there at the end of verse 27, we can do them. Through the Spirit, we are given this wonderful ability. Verse 28. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. 
I will also save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the corn and will increase it. Lay no famine upon you. Verse 30, I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field. You shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. So I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless all of these aspects of your life. And jump down to verse 35. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and the desolate and the ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Once again, in this uh, fenced-in garden, in a place of safety, all of these promises of God to be washed uh, by the word, this clean, pure water, are a result of our obedience. These abundant blessings. And of course, we know and understand that uh, in any city, in any nation, if if all the people were following these scriptures, there wouldn't be the issues that we see in the world today, obviously. It would be a, a fantastic place to live. But unfortunately it isn't, because they aren't. So we have to recognize that we are in this wonderful spot because we've received of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if there's any new people here today, um, but this new heart, new spirit, in the New Testament, of course, this is being born again. This is receiving the Holy Ghost and coming to know God and walking in his presence. So, it's a fairly simple message. But what I want to do is, I just want to look at uh, another scripture which sort of throws a little bit of interesting um, significance onto it. Psalm 36, please. To our life, um, as we know in, in John 7 there, it says, He that believes uh, in me, Jesus Christ was talking, He that believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And, and he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. So again, this all fits into this whole idea. Well, I don't know if there's anyone here who knows what the word Eden means in the Hebrew. Can you see any hands? Okay, that's good. Right. We'll read here in verse uh, 5 of Psalm 36. The, thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, Thou preservest man and beast. Again, a recognition that God's loving kindness, God's mercy is in the heavens. His faithfulness reaches to the clouds. God's love and mercy and all of these things fill the world. There's no part of the world that is missing out. God's love is uh, has created the universe and it keeps the universe going. So we recognize that. Thy righteousness is like majestic mountains. In my um, margin here it says, it's like the mountains of God. I don't know what the mountains of God are like, but it's got to be great, isn't it? Thy judgments are a great deep. Sometimes they're so deep there, they're beyond our comprehension. But we know that God keeps all things moving. He's preserving man and beast. Verse 7 says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust 
under the shadow of thy wings. So we're starting to recognize that God is is all of these things. He is the creator of the universe. He keeps it all going, his righteousness, his mercy. And as we recognize that, the children of men put their trust in God. They're, they're willing to hand their lives over to God. And this is where we're getting to the point of the whole talk. If we trust in God, if we put our lives in his hands, the next verse then applies to us. They, that's those that put their trust under the shadow of his wings, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of the house. There's a thing you don't hear very often, isn't it? How fat's your house today? It's pretty good though, isn't it? It's talking about there's going to be an abundance to feast upon in the Lord's house. We are we are in the Lord's house as his guests and he's providing everything for us. The fatness, the goodness, all of the the you know the best things that you can think of. But wait, there's more. It says, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life, and in thy light shall we see light. Pretty good. But those two verses there are quite interesting. Verse 9, in thy light shall we see light. Without the Lord, we can't see anything else. That's the point. There's a great quote, and I I believe it's from C.S. Lewis. I'm not 100% sure, but he said, I believe in God the same as I believe in the sun when I see it rise in the morning. Not just because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And that's the point of this scripture here. In thy light we see light. So by the, the enlightening of Jesus Christ, we see everything else. We see and understand the truth. We see and understand where things are going wrong and we know what we can do. We still haven't got to the point yet, though. We've got to go back to verse 8. And it says, so for they that trust him, it says they'll, they'll be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of his house and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. The word pleasures is the word Eden. Okay? That's what the word Eden means in the Hebrew. It means pleasure. It means delight. It means that joy. And so here, it's saying, when you trust God, God is going to make you to drink of the river of Eden. See? So it goes right back to the beginning. The rivers of living water, that pure water, which is for all purposes. You've got to remember when these things were written, uh, these people were dwelling in deserts. Uh, Droughts happened regularly. There were certain areas that that never had any water, basically, much like some places around here, but I won't go down that track. People were accustomed to having to search for their water, to, to get to the next watering place. So what he's saying here is, you're going to have it all. You're going to have all of you need, all that you need, you're going to be drinking 
of the rivers of Eden, the rivers of God's pleasure, God's delight, the water of life, the gospel, the glory perfected, all of the promises of God wrapped up in that river that went out from Eden, from his presence, and was was guarded by the, the cherubim and the flaming sword. And as we obey that, as we obey that word, as we put our trust in the Lord, then we have access back to Eden. So it's not just talking about when the Lord comes back and all those good things. It's all for us now. The promises are there for us. And uh, again, there's, there's plenty of other mentions of the rivers and, uh, uh, you know, we see it in, in Ezekiel in the temple. We see the, the rivers going out from the, the temple of God. Of course, in Revelation, uh, we, we end up with, we see the rivers there with the, the fruit and the tree of life. It's literally to be in the presence of God in Eden to be with him for an eternity uh, through our obedience, uh, walking on in his ways and serving him. And all the people said, Amen. I shall leave it there.